Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. So we are 13 days away from the worldwide celebration of Yeshua's resurrection. I'm going to continue on that theme. When the angel of the tomb, he said, he is not here, for he is risen just as he said. Who enenu po, he's not here, ki kam kasher amar. He's risen, he's risen just as he said. Matthew 28, 6. To review from last week, there were 12 post-resurrection appearances that we know of, not all are necessarily recorded in Scripture. The first was to Mary Magdalene or Miriam of Magdala, and the last was to John, if we count this as one, on the Isle, which we would, on the Isle of Patmos. Beginning on resurrection on Yom Rishon, he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Acts 1, verse 3, and he instructed his apostles, his shlichim, and many other followers periodically for 40 days. So 40-day period. He then ascended from Mount Olivet near Jerusalem, near Jerusalem, while the shlichim, the apostles, watched in Acts 1, verses 9 through 12. So we mentioned this last week, 1 Corinthians 15, several verses in the early part of that chapter give a kind of mini-summary of some of these appearances. But the Galilean appearances, which we're looking at one now, are today, are not recorded in Mark and Luke, but are described in Matthew 28, verses 16 and 17, and where we're going to look right now in John chapter 21. So if you didn't, weren't here last week, I encourage you to hear that message because we looked at three of those encounters last week, very special encounters. And the order of appearances to repeat them from last week, are likely, likely these order of appearances, because people do vary in how they list them, would be Mary Magdalene at the tomb, then the women at the tomb, then Peter, no detail given about that one, the pri- as a private visit, then the couple on the road to Emmaus, and we talked about Peter's last week, couple the road to Emmaus, and we talked about Mary, Mary's visit last week, Mary Magdalene, and what happened with her. And then the apostles, number five, the apostles without Thomas, and then number six, the apostles with Thomas. We looked at that one last week. And then the seven apostles by the seashore, and Peter jumps off the boat. We're going to look at that now. And then eight would be the Great Commission, more than 500 people there. Nine would be James, Yeshua's brother, or Yaakov, James. And then the Ascension, then Saul, or Paul, Acts 9, and then John of Patmos. So John 21, let's look there. Some guesstimate this took place 
10 to 12 days after the resurrection. So about where we are right now, let's say. Uh, some think a little longer. And realize that this was a 60-mile trip, a two- or three-day journey, walking, of course, from Jerusalem, from Hagalil, the Galil, uh, to, uh, to this area, to, to Yam uh, Kinneret, to the Sea of Galilee, probably an area on its western shore, like Tiberias, like Tiberias today. And so we see it after these things, 21.1 of John, after these things, at least nine days after the resurrection, Yeshua revealed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Again, the western shore, there's a reason for that. Now, there, here is how he appeared. Simon, Peter, and Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in the Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. And so, basically, seven of the disciples, if you count this, this is seven of the disciples are there. So the question is, where were the other four? And I'll leave you with that. My sermon is ended. No, I'm just... <laughs> where were the four? No. Um, they were playing pickleball, so, and they missed, they missed it. So they were doing something else, maybe. I don't know, but you think Thomas missed out. Well, they just, they, when he missed the they these four, four of the disciples missed this visit. I don't know why Yeshua just visited with the seven, but he chose to visit. And the four, we don't know where they were. But let's read what happened. Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. He had to always keep busy, didn't he? He's just, you know, he's probably, he just had to be doing something. And he's probably frustrated over what's happened and discouraged and whatnot. And, and he's a leader. And so they said, we're coming with you too. We're going too, they said. And they went and they got in the boat. And that night, what did they catch? Nothing. They caught nothing. You know, and I, it definitely is a picture, isn't it, of trying, kind of trying to find satisfaction in what you've already left behind. You've already forsaken. They've forsaken that. Remember, Yeshua said, from now on, you're going to catch men. And he's going back to what he's left. And if you've ever tried that, I did. Uh, come to think of it, I hadn't thought about it. I'm just thinking of it now. But I remember a period in my life where I was, I know I was called it, and I, I left, you know, I tried to go back to doing certain things. And um, anyway, and I caught nothing. <laughs> you know, um, when you, if you're called in your service of the Lord, called to ministry, called to, to, to follow the Lord, and you try to go back to something that you're not called to do, and you'll catch nothing. And at dawn, Yeshua stood, verse 4, dawn, Yeshua stood on the beach. He stood on the beach. And by the way, Hebrews 11, I, I like this verse. I thought of this verse actually with it. Hebrews 11:15. 15, I hadn't thought of it in a while. If indeed they'd been thinking about where they'd come from, they might have, would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they yearn for a better land that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. If you, have, if you think about where you return, then you, you might go back. If you think about where you've come from, you might, it gives you opportunity to return. No, you have it, but you yearn for a better land. 
your, your call. Okay, so at dawn, Yeshua stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Yeshua. Well, why not? Well, there's, we don't know. But there could have been a lot of reasons for that. It, it, was, it was early. Uh, it was dawn, so it could have been distant. It could have been hard to see. We don't know. But they, they couldn't tell. They didn't know it was Yeshua. He could have been concealing himself in a certain way, but we'll get into that maybe a little more. But Yeshua said to them, boys, well, really, it's a, the, the Greek word would, you, we would translate it maybe from the Northeast, guys, it's, an, it's a kind of a, or fellas, maybe from here we'd say fellas, guys, you know, it's intimate, it's kind of not formal, but you don't happen to have any fish, do you? No, they answered him. He said to them, throw the net off the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now, it's interesting. Uh, some say, I read this commentary, I hadn't thought, never thought of it. Why the right side? Well, if they're facing the west bank, the right side would be north. And so maybe there's an allusion there to the north being, he's, it's kind of prophetic toward the nations, toward the world, you know, because they're going to go, remember, Acts 1.8, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, Acts 1.8, we're going to go into all the world so that fish they're going to catch, the harvest, the world is going to be the fish, the nations, right? So I think I like that thought. What's interesting is they do it. They don't question, they do it. So they threw the net after all night fishing. You know, remember, they throw the net. It's not this kind of fishing. For those that don't know, when you go to Israel, it's when you go to the galley, it's one thing you quickly discover. When, you know, it's kind of neat to see. The, the guy takes you out and he shows you how heavy those nets were. Those fishermen, they had to be strong. It's very heavy to pull the nets with the fish. And it's not just the fishing line like that kind of thing. Like maybe you grew up doing fishing like that. And he says, so they threw the net and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. And so they couldn't even do it. And therefore, the disciple whom Yeshua loved said to Peter, who's the disciple whom Yeshua loved? John, right? Yochanan. He says, I'm, he had a good self-image. I mean, he felt pretty good. <laughs> he says, I'm the one he loves. You know, he loves me. John discerns it's the Lord, but Peter's the one who acts. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around himself, for he was stripped down for work, and he threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat from about 200 cubits offshore, dragging a net, dragging a net full of fish. Look over chapter, Luke chapter 5, if you would. Please turn to Luke 5. Let's look at this story because I think it's, it's really special to look at this beautiful story in Luke chapter 5. This is reminding them when Peter realized, John says, it's the Lord, and Peter's so excited over this. Remember, he has been restored privately by the Lord in a personal meeting, we believe. There's two verses, 1 Corinthians 15, 5, and, and Luke 24, 34, that says Yeshua met with Peter earlier, and so this is a second meter. He, this is, he's going to restore him as well here, but we'll, and we'll get into that. But this reminded them of a similar incident three years before in the original call on Simon Peter's life. And this sign, this huge catch, along with this same voice, the voice which said, you know, Throw the net on the right side. Had, that previous voice had said, let down your nets for a catch. And it must have reignited Peter. Let's look at it. Luke 5, the first 11 verses. It happened that the crowds were pressing upon Yeshua to hear the word of God as he was standing by the lake of Kinneret when he saw two boats standing beside the lake. Now the fishermen had left them 
and were washing the nets. Getting into one of the boats, Simon's boat, Yeshua asked him to push out a ways from the land. So they're then sitting down. He taught the crowds from the boat. It's a smart, smart move. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, go out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Yeshua's knees saying, Go away from me, Master, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had gripped him and all who were with him over the catch of fish that they had netted. So also James, uh, Jacob and John, Zebedee's sons, who were partners with Simon. But Yeshua said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. So there's that original call. So when they had brought the boats to the land, they left everything and they followed him. Hallelujah. Left everything and they followed him. So that's the original call. And this whole incident in John, back to John 21 here, this probably reminded them of that. This is your call. This is what you're called to do. I'm back. I'm, al- I'm risen. Let's go. In verses 7 and 8 of John 21, Peter is responsive. He's responsive. But John is responsible. Both are important. God has designed us all differently, hasn't he? Some people are discerners, and some people are, some people are very discerner, discernful and perceptive and prayerful and hear the Lord. Others are visionaries propelled to action, and are very spontaneous. Some people are, God has wired you to be steady, diligent workers, responsible. Others, he's wired you to be impulsive, risk takers, and launchers. I know there's other terms for this. Uh, But the bottom line is, we need both. God has made us differently, and we don't have to be like, you don't have to be like the person sitting next to you or the person that you're saying, well, I wish I could, was like that person. I wish I could do what that, I wish I could do it like, no, God's wired you the way he's made you, you know, and it's beautiful. And we need both. And John and Peter are so both different, but they complement each other. And so we need each other in the body of Messiah as a team. And so they come and there's a charcoal fire, verse nine. They got out of the, uh, onto the land and they see a charcoal fire with fish placed on it. Uh, and bread. It's amazing. He actually took the time to, to grill this. Yeshua said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter went, ab- went aboard and hauled the net to shore, and there were 153 fish. Well, first of all, Peter is sitting by the fire at the fire when he denied knowing Yeshua. So we do have to mention that, right? In Luke 22, verses 55 and 56. So I think this brought back that memory to him. And Yeshua is doing this intentionally bringing back this memory, this incident, you know, to relive it a little bit because he's going to, he wants to heal it. Sometimes we have to bring back the memories of the, of the pain to relive it, to, to heal it. But Yeshua says, come have breakfast. And this was a midday meal. 
as far as I understand. So a midday meal, not the main meal. He's grilled fish and pita for them, probably pita because that's what the, the bread you eat in the Middle East. And the same ones, think about this, he's doing this for the same ones who had ran, run from him at the time when he had needed them the most. Wow. If that's not grace, what is? I mean, he wasn't holding any grudge, no bitterness. He could have said, why, why should I fix something for you? You guys deserted me and I needed you. When I really needed you and you abandoned me, it says all the, they all forsook him and fled. And it says in verse 12, they dared not ask him, who are you? Who are you? Now, I'm not sure. It would be fun to have a discussion about that. You know, why is that, that they didn't? They, why would they even think of asking, who are you? I mean, why would they have to ask? What did he look like? What did Yeshua really look like? He's in his resurrected body. What do we, will we look like in our resurrected bodies? It's going to be amazing. 1 Corinthians 15 gives us some information about that. It talks about the variety, the differences in our resurrected bodies, that there's going to be drastic differences. We know about the scars, that he still has the marks, but there's going to be differences. And it's fascinating. Read 1 Corinthians 15. It's going to be fascinating. But then 153 fish, many of them big, it says, a large cache, many of them of significant size. And in, there's a passage, if you want to look there quickly, in Ezekiel 47, verses 9 and 10, that I think is connected to this somehow. Ezekiel 47, verses 9 and 10, it says, and I'll just read it for you. It will be in that, that every living creature that swarms will live wherever the rivers go. This is the river of life in Ezekiel 47 in the millennium in the Messianic kingdom. Wherever they go, there will be a, that there will be a very great multitude of fish because the water goes there and makes the salt water fresh. So everything will be healed and live wherever the river goes. Fishermen will stand by it from En Gedi, my favorite place in Israel, from En Gedi, down by the Dead Sea, to En, en Eglaim. It will be a place for spreading of nets. Their fish will be of many different kinds, like the fish of the Great Sea, a huge quantity. And so, interestingly enough, En Eglaim, numerically, is 153. So, it could be some connection to this, that, uh, to this passage. It's going to be a harvest. So now what happens is, after this, the breakfast, what we could call the public, the public restoration of Peter, of the Shaliach, the apostle Peter, Simon Peter, public. Yeshua, again, to stress, Yeshua had privately restored him in his earlier visit. But here, he did it publicly. Why? To restore confidence to the other disciples in Peter so that they could once again trust him. And Yeshua is reinstating Peter to a place of leadership, and he's reinforcing his confidence in him. It's a beautiful story. And so he asks him in verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Yeshua said to Simon Peter, remember, he's not alone. I mean, I know the pictures. I look for pictures of it or even read it. Sometimes you pictured maybe it's just him and Peter alone. But the other disciples, these other seven or the other six, would, are, are there as, as far as we understand. And he says to him, to Simon Peter, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, who are these? People have different theories. Was it these fish? But I think it was the disciples. Why? Because he had said, like Peter, you said, though everyone else falls away because of you, I won't. I'll never. I'll lay down my life for you. Matthew 26, 33 and John 13, 37. And Peter is going to do it again. He's going to compare himself to others again in this chapter. What about him? You know, what about them? What about him, this guy? Yeshua says, do you love me more than these? And so now Yeshua confronts Peter. Do you think you're better than others? That you excel in your total devotion to me? Because that's what ahava means, love. Peter, I love you, Lord. Yeshua, okay then, let's go. Let's continue where we left off. Let's reset. Let's restart. Peter, you denied me three times. I had told you, you'll deny me three times, Peter. And Peter says in verse 17, let's read it. says, you know I love you. He said, feed my lambs, verse 15. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Ahava. And it really means a total devotion, total devotion. And he's saying, yes, Lord. He says, you know that I love you. And he said to him second time, take care of my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him for a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Yeshua said to him, feed my sheep. So this is Peter, exhausted. He's coming to an end of himself, his self-strength. And Peter's like saying, Lord, you win. I'm tired of doing it in my own strength. I'm dependent on you now. And like painful surgery, like extracting a tooth or filling a cavity or putting antiseptic on a wound, Yeshua is reversing his failure. Peter had denied him three times, even as Yeshua now asks him three times if he loves him. You denied me three times. Well, I'm going to let you affirm your complete devotion to me three times. Yes, Lord, I love you. So what do you do? Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. We grow through the word of God. We grow grow through the word. We're nourished through the word of his grace. Acts 20.32. But the word of God is a sharp two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrows, a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart in Hebrews 4.12. But the word of God is what we need. That's feed my sheep. Discipleship takes place as we follow Yeshua and become Messiah-centered. Yeshua's first and last words to his disciples was, follow me. It's one word in the Greek, follow me. The Greek word is 
akoluthe. John 1.43, follow me, you follow me. And in John here, not, not 21.19, and also in 22, he says it again, akoluthe, follow me, you follow me. Join in the same way, it means. Join in the same way. The Hebrew equivalent, halach, would be halach, to progress step by step towards the goal. Got it? To progress step by step towards the goal. The goal uh, is Messiah likeness, that we might be conformed to his image, that he might increase and we might decrease. More of him, less of me that I might know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, Philippians 3.10. That's his goal. The word of God refines us. It molds us. It transforms us. And when it's brought by the Spirit and its fruit is love, then it's going to shape us. Signs and wonders will not transform us. They will follow those who trust. But we don't follow them. We follow Yeshua. Not signs and wonders. We follow the word of God. And the word is enough. I was thinking it as we were worshiping this morning. That's what, the word of God has got to be enough. Live, man shall not by live by bread alone, but what? By every word of God. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.3, Matthew 4.4. 4. We live through the word of God. And, and that's discipleship, learning to feed off the word of God. And you won't, if you don't, you're not going to survive when things don't go your way, when expectations are disappointed, when everything, when everything goes against, goes, goes wrong, or when, in, under any kind of persecution. And you see believers that abandon their faith and abandon Yeshua because they weren't discipled through the word of God. And they're dependent upon feelings. They're dependent upon signs. They're dependent upon expectations and, and think God has to do it this, this way or that way. Man shall not live, a person shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The people that survive, and not just survive, but conquer, but are more than conquerors through it, that really testify, win and, and reveal Yeshua through it, are those that survive because the word of God took them through it. And they, had, they hid the word of God in their hearts, and they lived through the word of God. And that's, that's how we do it. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food, Job 23, 12, I think it is. I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I don't abandon God because of the word of God. And, uh, you know, I, I think of how people are coached. I get, you get, when you go to a, go to, um, for, for service, sometimes at, you know, in a typical coffee shop or whatever, or, or, your, or a, a place of work, you know, people are, are coached to ask, you know, con, con, nicely, but they're coached to ask, how's your day going, you know? How are you doing today, you know? And I always have trouble answering that sometimes because it, it's orienting me to me, and I don't want to be thinking about how am I doing, you know? Do you have, do you have trouble? Am I the only one that has I say, I don't want to think about how I'm doing. So I'm not doing good or bad depending on how things are going. I'm just... You know, so, I, you know, you want to turn it back and say, well, how are you doing? You know, you want to ask, maybe turn it to make, but life is up and down. And you say, I'm okay with that. You know, it's God is on his throne. 
God is doing great. You know, you know and I would sound corny, if, you know, weird if you say that, but you know, my answer is God is doing well. He's on his throne. You know? Yeshua said, feed my sheep, for I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah 3.15. Feeding on solid nourishment, not mere milk, infant milk, Hebrews 5.12 person that feeds on milk, easily offended, gets so easily offended, oh, or so easy, easily upset, doesn't have discernment, no discernment, because discernment comes through the Word of God, Hebrews 5.12. Always wanting to be served rather than to serve. Rather, follow the Son in Hebrews 5.9 or 5.8. He says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Even the son, even though he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Come under the authority of God-appointed leaders to be taught. Who's the, who is, whose authority are you under? Have you submitted to someone's authority? I love submitting to authority. And I don't mean authority to control you or to, you know, to, you know, abusive authority or anything like that. But I love looking for where God, God leads me to submit to a God-appointed authority because that's how you grow. If you're independent and you don't do that and you say, no one's going to tell me... You'll never grow. You'll remain an infant spiritually and immature. You will not grow. I'm just telling you the truth. Come under the authority where God calls you to. So, so the word of God can confront, rebuke, and encourage. As it says in 2 Timothy 4, rather than selecting teachers in keeping with my own desires to tickle my ears, as 2 Timothy 4 verses 2 and 3 says. This is discipleship. Feed my sheep, Yeshua said. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Yeshua, in closing, never asked Peter to confess his sin of denial. Isn't that amazing? When you look at Peter's life, at this account, where does Yeshua say? Look for it here where Yeshua says, Peter, now let's talk about what happened. <laughs> let's look at this. Why? Did you do this? Why did you deny me? Why? I told you you would. And why, you know, I told you so. Listen, he never does that. He never asked him to confess it. He never said, tell me you're sorry before we can go on. And couldn't, don't you think Yeshua could have felt hurt by it? Because Peter had actually said, I don't know the man. Oh my gosh, that must have hurt. Ouch. I don't know the man. But that wasn't the issue. It was behind them. It was forgiven. It was forgotten because of the blood that he spilled for him. Because he loved him and took his sin in his body on the tree. In 1 Peter 2.24 and Isaiah 53, he bore our sins and transgressions. He's interested only in Peter's resetting, rebooting, and reorienting, not what happened back there. Back to the plan, back to the call. Let's go. You're going to feed my sheep. Not, now follow me. Don't worry about what others do. You follow me. Because as Peter, he says, when you're young, in verse 18, when you're younger, you used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted, doing what you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and carry you. You're going to be mature where you don't want to go. Now, he said, to indicate what kind of death he was going to die. And we know he died as a martyr's death. He said, 
follow me. Follow me. One word. Yeshua, it's in the Greek. One word. But Peter turns and sees the disciple following. Here's a distraction. Here's a deflection. He says, the one who Yeshua, about John, he says he'd reclined at Yeshua's chest. And he says, Master. Uh, oh, sorry. Said, he said, seeing Peter said to him, Lord, what about him? And Yeshua, Yeshua said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. And so he, so he will. So he will. You follow me. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Romans eleven twenty nine. The gifts and calling of God on your life, no matter what's happened, are irrevocable on your life. Romans eleven twenty nine. Just like they are for Israel, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, the purposes of God. He saved us and he's called us with a holy calling, not because of our deeds, not because of our works, but because of our deeds, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he purposed in Messiah Yeshua before the world began. 2 Timothy 1.9. What a verse. Isn't that great? Before the world began. Not according, because of his own purpose and grace. Say this and called you. Claim that verse. Believe that verse. Trust that verse. No matter what the enemy says, the adversary says, and the accuser of the brethren. I wonder if perhaps Peter was thinking of his own experience here with Yeshua when he encouraged his readers and, and us with these words he later wrote. After you've suffered a little while... 1 Peter 5, 10, and 11, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you with his eternal, into his eternal glory in Messiah, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. All power to him forever. Amen. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your restoration and your reinstatement of Peter publicly as you did it privately. Thank you. Faithful are you who called, who also will do it, First Thessalonians 5.24 says. We thank you and we praise you. We bless your name. Thank you, God. If you've never trusted Yeshua in your life for the first time and said, Lord, save me, say it now. Say, Lord, save me. I'm humbling myself. I'm coming to you, Lord. Be my Lord, my Messiah, my King. God, for, forgive me of my sins. Thank you that you already paid for my sins. Thank you. It's not how dark they are. It's that you bore them, shed your blood for them. You want to give me new life and wash them away, wipe them away, and make me all new today. Make me new. I will trust you. And if you're praying that prayer, write us, contact us. If you're here today, come and pray with someone if the prayer team would come. <speaking in Hebrew> Vyasem lecha shalom. Vyashem Yeshua HaMashiach Sar shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you upon... Lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the ruler of peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom.